This recording is a production of Faith Builders Educational Programs. This presentation was recorded at Teachers Week 2014, held at Faith Builders, August 5 through 8. I do hope that we are all yearning, longing to grow into the likeness of Jesus. And in order for that to happen, we do call out for grace. Uh, pour out your grace uh, into our hearts and enabling us. This session we're going to be looking at maintaining vitality. We've looked at some of the demands that teachers face, recognizing that more is asked of us typically than what we have, what we're able to give. We're also uh, yesterday then looked at trying to understand ourselves, recognizing that we have unique callings and giftings, and uh, we need to understand our limitations. Good for us to be aware of that and know the kinds of things that energize us, the things that are opposite, do not energize. Today, I want to think especially about maintaining spiritual vitality. Maintaining vitality includes both body and soul. And I've made a few comments about maintaining our bodies. I'm not attempting today to, um, to say that one is, uh, to differentiate the two. Uh, we, we, need to, we need a combination, maintaining our health, maintaining our bodies, and also maintaining our bodies. And I would just say in relation to our physical bodies, um, uh, we live in an increasingly, it seems like, sedentary um, society. Uh, we are used to sitting and um, uh, riding instead of walking and working and moving, and so we don't, we don't tend to consume as many uh, calories. Uh, I'm sorry, we consume them in one way and don't in another. Our bodies don't get rid of them, don't burn them, and so uh, I think a, a part of understanding our times is recognizing that uh, we do need to be intentional about using our bodies and using them in good ways. But I'm going to be focusing specifically on our relationship with God, recognizing that in, in all areas of ministry, it seems like in, uh, no matter where we are ministering, the tendency is to uh, begin to struggle spiritually after some time. And we've looked at some of the reasons for that. In a, uh, in a book entitled Mission Drift, uh, the author talks about, uh, about some of the challenges and, and, and quotes a uh, study by uh, Robert Clinton, Fuller Seminary professor, a number of years ago did a study and said that analyzing biblical leaders only one out of three maintained a dynamic relationship with God. Uh, the study that I looked at there did not indicate over how long a time, but uh, a variety of things can, can affect that. We've looked at some of the basic ones. Busyness is one of them. We, we, we get so busy doing good things that we become more of a Martha than a Mary. We are, we are caught up with doing many things, and Jesus uh, called her, uh, not saying that food isn't important, not saying that having a meal ready isn't important, but saying 
uh, Martha, you have forgotten the one thing, and in your being troubled and upset about many things, you've neglected the one thing that is paramount, that is more important. And Mary, he said, chose that, understood that. So I'd like to think with us about a number of scriptures for maintaining my vitality. And again, I'm not going to be able to look so much at context and exploring these scriptures, but I would like to read them uh, together with you. First one is <clears throat> Jesus' words to the woman at the well, breaking into the story. And he says to her, the hour is, is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. <clears throat> notice, notice the nature here of <clears throat> the interaction, the nature of our response to him, the nature of worship is in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. I find great joy in that the Father is seeking worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. We are, <clears throat> we are people of tangible senses, and things, make, uh, we, things become understandable to us through our senses. We know things through our senses. We know the taste of food. We know the presence of a person. Am I here today? Silly question. You can't, your senses verify that. Is God here today? Suddenly we are faced with reality that our senses can't verify. Can't see him, we can't hear him, we cannot reach out and touch him. Our physical senses, so we need to rely on something else. We are more than body. <clears throat> we are also spiritual beings. And it is, it seems tough for us in a world that is focused on the tangible and that and, and, in, and in bodies that are that are very tangible, it's hard for us many times to cultivate our spiritual senses. God is spirit. We come alive to him in, in a spirit-to-spirit -spirit relationship. Hebrews 11, <clears throat> verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You'll notice the seeking in that commonality in, in what Jesus said, seeking the Father, and the Father seeking us and us seeking him now again notice that that this is the um, without faith it is impossible to please him faith is the is the is a way by which we access spiritual knowledge spiritual understanding without faith it's impossible to please him we are, we are seekers of reality that our senses, faith, faith is, not, is not believing, it's not simply believing the impossible, it is not believing the illogical, faith is accepting realities that are not verifiable by our natural, by our physical senses. And so the question, is God here? We can answer yes by faith. We cannot verify it by our senses, but faith is a valid means of understanding reality. And <clears throat> learning to know God is a walk of faith. It is, 
and, and the, the, the beautiful thing is that, is that as we believe him, he, the, the eyes of faith open and, and open us to realities that suddenly get confirmed in sometimes surprising ways, but in multiplied ways. Unbelief closes us to that. Unbelief keeps us in the dark. Opening with the eyes of faith, we suddenly start realizing that, that, that the, the existence of this person, the reality of who he is, gets to be opened up. And, and, we are, uh, and, and the things that we struggled with before and unbelief are opened up to us through faith. Faith is a valid means of understanding reality. <clears throat> John, the Apostle John, writing in his first letter, says, He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. <clears throat> in, this, in this talk, I, want to I, I, I will talk about specific uh, avenues. We'll talk about activities. We'll talk about ways to reach out to God. But what I want you to understand is that, is that spiritual vitality is not the result of following a five-step process. Spiritual vitality is in a person. And it's living in relationship with him. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. And it is a joy to me to, to uh, see sometimes <clears throat> that when we carefully lay out the steps, steps are not always bad, okay? But when we think we've laid it out, the way we get to God and the way we grow in him, <clears throat> we meet somebody who doesn't, never heard those steps but they still have found him. And they've experienced him sometimes in unconventional ways. Now that shouldn't cause us to say the more unconventional, the more spiritual. It's simply to say that we can't put God in a box and we can't find him by specific steps. That's not the issue, he's a person. And <clears throat> he who has the son has life. Jesus' words then, John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered and they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. Similar concept to what John uh, uh, records in, or says in his letter, but here he records the words of Jesus saying, live in me and you have life. Separated from me, you will be like a dead branch. There's no, there's no vitality there. <clears throat> this particular passage is one that opened, opened uh, insights for me into relationship with God. As I thought about the, the, the vine, the trunk, and the, and the branches, and I realized that, that what God wanted in, in my experience with him was relationship in, in which I was continually looking for ways to simply open the channels to experience him to let him into my life, to look for those ways and, and to allow then the, the vitality of who he is to live in me and to produce in me, produce in me the kinds of results that point to him. The tree is known by its fruit, the trunk the, the, and, and the nourishment. So the, the, branches, the branches are simply living out the vitality, the nutrients, the, all that comes from the vine. <clears throat> Now, in this, I, I do want to give a caution here, just recognize our narcissism, our tendency sometimes to want to even use God. There is 
a holy, a holy yearning for God. But sometimes in our self-centered tendencies, we want deep relationship with him. We want deep spirituality in order to be recognized, in order to be known as a holy person. Now, if our hearts are pure, God's going to talk to us about that, and he's going to reveal it. He's going to show it to us, and I just will tell you that those revelations of our self-centeredness become embarrassing to us as we learn to know them. We realize, oh, I was doing that in order, in order for people to look up to me, and, and coming back to purifying our motivations and saying, Lord, I want to know you if it kills me. I want to know you if it's uncomfortable. I want to know you if it makes me unpopular. I want to know you no matter what the results, what others are thinking. So that caution, as we think about maintaining vitality, we are not, it should not be our ambition to become spiritual giants. It should be our ambition to reflect Jesus everywhere we go, to exalt him, to cause people to want to love him with all their heart. Several observations from these verses. Uh, These are the things that I'm going to be exploring with you. Life is in Jesus. So again, he who has the Son has life. We are (coughs) saved, excuse me, we are saved by a person. We are sustained by a person, by the life of Jesus. Second, Observation I would make, and these are going to be the the things that I'll pursue then in this talk. Staying in life, or in Jesus' words, abiding in me, he says. Abiding in Jesus calls for intentional spiritual exercise. It isn't an automatic. And third thing I want to explore with you is more on the encouraging side that those who seek God find him seeking them. The Father is seeking worshipers. So let's explore the first one here. Life is in Jesus. I take you to another passage now in the New Testament, John's writings, John 6, where Jesus is interacting with the Jews, and he says to them some things that are very difficult for them to accept. Most assuredly, literally there, I'm using again the New King James and the, the Old King James says verily. It's a word that we don't use as much, but, but actually the Greek text is amen. Jesus is saying amen. He's saying truth. It is so absolutely right. I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day, for my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. This teaching of Jesus was offensive to the Jews. It was understandably so. Blood was forbidden in their diet. And and so not only for those of us who grew up in, uh, typically in societies where blood is, is not drunk, Okay, we have a natural aversion for it. But the Jews had additional spiritual aversion. It was, it was forbidden. It, it was uh, wrong. And, and even so, the eating of human flesh, it, has the nat- it is a natural aversion 
uh, to that. So what is Jesus saying? Why would he say something that would actually turn people away? Later, a few verses later, it says some people just walked away at that point. This is pointless. This is useless. This man does not know what he is saying. I <clears throat> will try to uh, just narrow this down. Notice specifically the words of Jesus here. My flesh is food indeed, and my, dr my blood is drink indeed. Jesus is speaking about himself being our sustenance. He is to us in the big sense, in the, in the, in the personhood sense, in, in the vitality sense, he is to us what food and drink is to our bodies. We can go without it for a time, but we are living upon what we have consumed prior to that. And, and when we don't have continued input, we will die. And Jesus is saying, I am that to you. I am your sustenance. I am your food and your drink by which you grow and are alive and are sustained in life. That's what I am to you. And he wanted, the, the, Jews, the Jews were missing him. They, they were saying, give us a sign. Uh, uh, Moses, uh, Moses gave us manna. And Jesus said, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. They still didn't get it. And so he said something that was offensive to them. They turned away from him. So <clears throat> we experience life in daily relationship with a real person. Jesus is our sustenance. Our interaction with him, our our fellowship with him is food and drink to us. Jesus is the true manna, the bread from heaven, the life-giving, the life-sustaining. Essence from heaven, the, the flow out from heaven uh, upon which we feed and live and are sustained. So I would like to think with you just a little bit about <clears throat> devotions Devotion versus devotions. Uh, some years ago, I read a, uh, I read a little writing on this and, and helped to clarify some things for me. And what I want, want to make clear, I want you to understand what I mean by devotion. To me, devotion is, it is a love word. The, the greatest commandment is, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. I am not thinking about you making vows to God necessarily, although devote, that devotion to God may result in that. I am. T Let me see here. The best way to think about this: we are, we are in in Western culture, tricked, deceived into thinking that we are primarily thinking beings, and that the way to the, the way to be human is primarily to think right. We can even take that forward in some Christian understandings and saying that we are primarily believing people, that what we believe is the most important thing about us. I think that we are thinking people and we are believing people, but that's not at the root of who we are. We are lovers. We set our heart upon something or someone. 
And that's why we are often deceived about who we are because we think because we know something, that's who we are. Or we think because we believe something, we have been able to articulate it, put it into words, and if you agree with this, you are right, and if you don't agree with this, you are not right. The question is, what are our hearts set upon? And that is more basic to who we are than anything else, and it's why God says, my number one instruction to you is set your heart on me. Love me with all your heart. And so, God is more concerned about what our hearts are set upon than the particular manner in which our devotions are conducted. So I am going to be talking about some spiritual exercise and activities, but I'm saying that devotions without devotion simply result in frustration for us. And, and all of us, typically growing up, have to move into a, an, a spiritually adult understanding that God wants relationship with us. He wants the love of our heart he, more than he wants particular performances. I have talked to many young people who grew up in Christian homes and they have a good heart. They gave their hearts to the Lord at an early age. They, they wanted to follow the Lord. And about late teens or early 20s, they run into something that they don't always want to talk about. But when, when, when they get the opportunity, they, they start, start talking about this and they say, you know, I, I try. I, I'd like to know God, but I, I can't get. It seems like when I read the Bible, it's, I'm, I'm bored. I hate to say it, but I'm bored. I try to pray and it doesn't do anything. I don't know if God's listening. I don't know if I, I am having trouble connecting with God. I think that this is a transition that, a transition from knowing about God to knowing Him personally. And for some people, it's an agonizing struggle. I've talked to people who get desperate in this time. They want to know Him, and it just seems like it isn't happening. Don't give up. Sometimes it's an issue that we are judging our selves improperly and 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 we are feeling people and let's not let's not say we're not we we are feeling people in many ways feelings help us to understand reality or believe reality but as uh, brother michael pointed out earlier here they aren't they aren't always accurate and and so if we judge our spiritual vitality by our emotional condition we're typically going to be off track at some point and devotion is the word that I'm using to get us deeper than that. It includes our feelings, but certainly it is deeper than that. And God wants, God wants hearts that, that, in, that have such a love, a love that includes a commitment that says, God, I will pursue you even when I do not understand you, even when the circumstances of life seem to disprove who you are, seem to actually go against all the promises you have made, I will continue to seek you because I believe in you as the ultimate reality. That's a, that's, a, that's a setting our hearts upon him and loving him. It has to do with our deepest desires. It has to do with the things that, that, that uh, give us the greatest joy, that cause us the greatest sorrow. It's where our hearts really are. So, let's think about staying in life. Staying in life calls for intentional spiritual exercise. Just as, just as in marriage, my wife and I have been married for over 40 years, 
and we do not rely upon our first expressions of love to be enough. We regularly assure each other of our love. We talk about it. We spend time together. We share with each other our deepest fears, our yearnings, our longings. We live together. And we have to, in a busy world, we have to be intentional about time that we spend together. Or it gets crowded out, and the relationship starts to surface. It, it, starts, it starts losing some of its vitality. Staying in life with God also calls us to this. For any relationship to be deep, alive, and growing, we need to spend life together. This includes talking, listening, sharing, planning, laughing, working, eating, relaxing, helping. Again, it's living life together. So I'd like to talk about some avenues for connection. <clears throat> Reading is one. I am specifically saying that if we want to maintain interaction with Jesus, a part of that is going to be reading. Now, Jesus is all, th this is one that I, I struggle knowing how well, how I can articulate this properly. The scriptures show us who God is. Jesus was actually a clearer and better and more full revelation of God than the written scriptures. Okay, he's a person. And so the hymn writer, beyond the sacred page I seek thee, Lord. Okay, he's, he's a person. And at the same time, we actually, we, we cannot access him. We learn to know the, who he is by the scriptures. The scriptures show us who God is. They are the revelation of God. They show us the, the great work of God, the, the plan from the beginning to the end. They, they lay it out for us. They show us the stories of people who cooperated with that, people who were chosen to participate in that great work of God. And so we come back again and again. We get the, we, we get the understanding of the heart of God, the intentions of God, the, into which we can into which we can give our lives, we get that as we read the scriptures, as we absorb them. And I'm going to tell you on a, on a personal level that long ago when I, when I came into realizing that my life was going to call for regular uh, output, I'm going to, I, I was called. I was called to teaching. I was called to, to sharing God's word. I was called regularly to interacting with people that continued output, I realize, is going to require continued input. Personally, I set some things, some, some things that I do in reading, and I, will, I don't believe that teachers can be spiritually maintained by reading a couple of verses a day and hoping that it goes well. I'm saying you need more than that, and I'm encouraging you, if you've never read through the scriptures, set it up, somehow do it, read, you get a perspective in reading through the Bible that you don't get any other way. I've read through the scriptures over and over and over through the, the years of, and, and my intention is to regularly be receiving. It is not that, it is not that the scriptures somehow in themselves, if it were not a seeking him, 
reading the scriptures. You can, be, you can be theologically correct. You can memorize the scriptures. You can understand the scriptures in a lot of ways and explain the scriptures even without knowing him. Okay, So it, it's, it's more than just reading the scriptures. But that's, that's the input, and that's where he shows himself in many ways, reading. I'd also encourage you to think about reading beyond the scriptures, reading the lives of people, reading about people who have sought him, people who have struggled with him, people who have found him. Read the stories of conversions. I love to read stories of how people got to know God in ways that were astounding, in ways that are just plain amazing. How in the world? And, and one of the things that you will find that in conversion stories, God does grace. He, he does works of grace, sometimes through means that don't seem approved even to us. He, people get saved, get converted, come to know him through avenues that, well, we don't think, well, that wasn't very good. And it's not one that we'd recommend for everybody else. Okay, But it's good for us to expose ourselves to, this, to these works of God. Reading biographies, reading stories, reading, uh, reading books. Uh, I, I mentioned uh, A.W. Tozer's book, The Knowledge of the Holy. If that doesn't work for you, I'm not saying you need to read that one. Find another one. There are many, many books today about this. K. Arthur wrote a book. Uh, that I may know him. She's a lady author, and I didn't enjoy her book as much, I think, because I'm not a lady. Okay, maybe just say it that way. But it was it, still, it was good. My, my wife really, uh, really did enjoy it. Uh, J.I. Packer wrote a book, Knowing God. Blackaby wrote his book, Experiencing God. There's just all sorts of books today that where people write about this, and, and exposing our, ourselves to that kind of reading is healthy. Another avenue is meditating thinking upon, meditating upon. Sometimes this is helpful. It's helpful to meditate by ourselves, to, to, mur to um, mull, to murmur, to, to just kind of mutter it, to go over it in our hearts and, and uh, meditating on the Word of God. Prayer is one of the ways, one of the avenues of connection, one of the ways in which we interact. It's, it's, um, prayer can be specifically requesting um, and don't feel like you have to uh, we tend most of our groups tend towards spontaneous praying and and that's okay and that's good and right we have tended not as much to use some of the written prayers I personally have uh, over the last I don't know how long I enjoy on a regular basis praying the Lord's Prayer just just praying it and it helps me to understand what Jesus thought was important in prayer. Uh, but we can, use, we can use other prayers. Or you might write out your prayers. I've done that as, as a way of interacting with the Lord. Confession is one of the ways that we can connect to God. It's one of the ways in which we talk to him. Thanksgiving is another one. I, um, uh, I realized back some time ago I, that I wanted to just... Uh, exercise this more in my own life. I don't remember it was last fall or sometime. So I took a month in which I just, every, every day I wrote down, I specifically wrote down, and I, I wanted to write at least three things that I was grateful for. And, and I didn't just list them, but I actually wrote out why I'm grateful for them. Just did it as, a, as an exercise. It's one of the ways that we interact with him and open our hearts to him. Fasting is one of the ways in which we intensify our, our seeking of him, it's, uh, I, always, I look at fasting. I don't always necessarily personally enjoy it, but I look at it as 
as saying to myself, I, I want to bring this reality before me regularly that there are things that are more, more important to my vitality than my, than my daily food. And that's one of the things that fasting does for us. So if you're struggling with fasting and, and it, you, don't, you just don't feel spiritual on the day you fast, that's okay. You, you, uh, that's not necessarily the judge. What you should be doing is saying, okay, body, every time you're hungry, there's something more important than that food, okay? And it's just, uh, in fact, I sometimes tell people, just think of the best food. When you're hungry, you're fasting, just think of the best foods you can think about, okay? Uh, what, what is your favorite food? Just think about it. Just dwell on it and think about it and then say, ah, there's something more important to me than that. It's one of the things that, that it, it helps to sharpen and, and, and to bring in perspective some of the things that are important Nature walking is one of the ways that we can connect with God. A spiritual exercise can, can be where we, we, we f go out and, and walk and just worship as we walk. We, we look at, you know, the, the scriptures say, the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament shows his handiwork. I think the most worshipful people ought to be the scientists. Unfortunately, it's not that way. It's like once they have taken it apart and looked at it, they think, oh, now we understand it. We don't really need God and I, so I even hear some Christians sometimes skeptical about whether Christians ought to be studying some of this stuff like astronomy and they just scoff at you know astronomy they talk about millions of miles and millions of light years and so on like that I I say folks let them make let them discover the big as big as they can I mean if it's even if they're off a few million miles it doesn't matter to me this is revealing a God that is greater than then even David would, under, would have understood, or Abraham, when they looked at the universe, at the, at the sky. So those are some avenues. Fellowshipping is another where we interact with one another. It's one of the ways. It's good for us to talk about, to, to, to fellowship with those. Here's a way to think about this. If you're wanting to grow in your faith, be sure to spend time with people who have their eyes open to God. Is that making sense? Sorry, you're turning a page here, so I want to be sure you get this. If you want to grow in faith, faith is people who've got their eyes on God. They, 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 they actually believe in realities that their eyes can't see. If you want to grow in faith, interact with people who have their eyes on God. Listen to them. Listen to what they're saying. Listen to the things that God is teaching them. A few pointers. Seek God at your best. Now I poked a little fun at people who are up late at night, okay? And uh, my best time is in the morning. And so that's, that's when I do. And, and I'm not saying that you have to do that. When are you at your best? And if you're at your best at midnight, then that's okay. As long as you get up in the morning and you're not neglecting your responsibility. But seek God at your best. Look for the, the times when, when you actually can set your heart on him undistracted. I find morning best because for me that's, I don't have the rest of the day. If I start, if I start into the day's activities, it's hard to come back again and just put that out of my mind and focus on the Lord. And so I, I like to do it when I don't have those things distracting me. See God at your best. Pay attention to ways you connect. This is kind of reiterating some of the things that I said yesterday. But if if you find that music. Uh, is, is one of the ways. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just insert something here that I, 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 w I don't want you to take away. I, I mean, if you quote it out of context and I get in trouble, I guess that's all right. I think sometimes we have wrongly emphasized the scriptures to the point, and, and without understanding the relationship, 
to the point that the scriptures have become almost, we try to read the scriptures and we run into an emotional wall. There, there are people who have, I mean, they've taken it like medicine. It's chalky, it's dry, it doesn't do anything for them, and they do what they can, they hope things are better in the morning. <laughs> and I think it is possible that at times we might have to even lay aside the scriptures for a bit to find the avenues through which we hear the voice of God. Now, let me follow that. If you quote me, okay, be sure that you follow up with this. You'll have to eventually come back to them, okay? The scriptures are, are it's, it's, our, it's, a, it's a, always an avenue through which the church ha, and God's people have sought him. But if you've developed some kind of aversion, God is, is who you really want. He's the one. And so pay attention to the ways in which you connect. And if, if somehow your heart is moved toward him better as you read a book or listen to music or something like that, that may be a way through which you start, you start learning to know him and cultivate the kind of love and the kind of yearning for him that the scriptures start opening themselves. I've, 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 I know of people who have tried reading the scriptures and, and they, they get a breakthrough and all at once they are seeking him. I remember a, a lady, this was a young lady years ago, she was right in that stage, probably 20 years old, 19, 20 years old. She came to my wife and I and she said, I just can't find God. I, I try and try and, and she said, I, I, the Bible is stale to me. I don't remember what we told her at that point. I don't know if we were really that helpful for her, but she came back. I, I remember it was about a year later we saw her again and she was just glowing and, and I was so excited. She said, I found God. And she said, you know where? She said, I found him in Isaiah. She said, Isaiah, did you ever read Isaiah? She said, that is a fantastic book. That's a place where I found God. She said, I love reading Isaiah. Now, what was, so, was such a blessing to me about this was that you see, a young Christian, if I would have been thinking about a book to recommend, a book of the Bible to recommend to a young Christian, I probably would not have recommended Isaiah. I'd have probably tried to find something easy. I mean, I read Isaiah, and I love Isaiah, but I read it, and there are things in it that I don't understand. But Isaiah does have a lofty view of God. She said, Isaiah is just, God is just all through that book. She loved it. So the scriptures will be a place that, you know, even if it is at some point dry, there'll come a point where we can uh, enjoy them, open up the reality of God. Third pointer, be creative. Don't always do the same thing. I personally have followed a, a monthly, I, I follow a monthly schedule. I, I have a change every month. And mine, mine varies, all, all sorts of different things that I do. I read through the New Testament uh, regularly. I read through the Old Testament at least uh, once a year, read through the New Testament probably half a dozen times a year. I then also like to do things like studies, special studies. I, um, one thing that I've done is I've taken the Proverbs and just categorized them, you know, especially after, you, after chapter nine, after the My Son instructions, you get a change of subject with every verse and it's hard, it, it, there's not a continuity. So I started, I thought, well, I'm gonna categorize these. And I did a study where I just categorized the song, put these, these are all about speech. These are all about neighbor relationships. This is all about honesty, or your, this is all about your words or the tongue. And, and by the way, when I do studies, sometimes I've gone back to those categories and, and just enjoy finding those proverbs that are specifically related, related to certain subjects. Paraphrase the Psalms, one of the things that I've enjoyed. Write out your prayers. Make a list of gratitudes that you have for the Lord. 
Um, so be creative. Don't always do the same thing. Share your faith experience. If there is no connection between your closet, or I use that figuratively, if there's no connection between your closet, the private time that you have with God, and the rest of your day, then typically there's going to be a certain amount of disconnect between uh, that closet experience and God. And, and there's something that is healthy about us just sharing with others uh, what has happened, what things that God is teaching us. Uh, sometimes it's not, it's not, it's not holy. It, it may not necessarily be uh, these great revelations. Sometimes we have to say to others, you know, God is convicting me. I am struggling with pride. This morning when Michael was talking about the self-centeredness, I just was realizing one of the great laments in my own heart over the last couple of years is a growing awareness of how self-centered I am. It is appalling. I want to be Jesus-centered, but I find my heart so often thinking about me and wanting things for me. So sharing our experience. I don't mean that we have to just always be sharing great insights. A fifth pointer, let love guide you. Too many Christians, I think, are driven by fear to seek God. They're afraid they'll punish him if they don't seek him. I, I hear people sometimes testifying, saying, you know, I didn't read my Bible this morning. I had a rotten day, a bad day. And I'm just going to say this, that relationship with God is more sustaining than that, okay? I'm not saying that you won't sometimes have a bad day when you don't read your Bible, but I don't know if there's a lot of connection there. If your heart is devoted to God, there will be times when you've missed your Bible reading, and it's okay. It's, not, it's, just, be, it's just like in... In life, sometimes I miss a meal because I'm just too busy or I don't get it. Well, I don't die, okay. Um, and but but now, if I would continue to do that, that that would be a problem. But I'm just saying, uh, let love guide you. God isn't there just saying, "Boy, you don't have devotions. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a mess of your day." Fear sometimes drives us to God. That's a truth. That's a reality. Many of us probably came to the Lord because we were afraid, especially if it was early in life. But it is not sufficient to sustain the relationship. There's a healthy fear of God. Let me just say that. There's a healthy fear of God, but it's not fear. Fear needs to be replaced by love. Read 1 John 4, just a beautiful, beautiful passage. Love for God, just a quote here, love for God is not mere words, nor is it only exhilarated feelings. True, it is heart-stoppingly enjoyable in those moments of worshipful bliss, but love lays life on the line. It is expressed powerfully and sometimes painfully in continued commitment when ecstatic feelings are absent. We love him in the dry times, the painful times, the confusing times, the dark times, because his love to us is no less than. If anything, when we hurt, when we cry, when life is black and tumbled, his love is deeper. I ask you, what was God's heart toward Job when Job was suffering? It wasn't distant. It, he was, it was not like God was off. If there's any time in Job's life when God was bending over him, in concern and care. It was in that time of confusion and darkness for Job. And the last point, those who seek him find him seeking them. I'm mostly going to be looking at scriptures here. True worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him.
He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Jeremiah, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Psalm 145, the Lord is near to those who call upon him, to those, to all who call upon him in truth. Prophet Isaiah, for thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble, to revive the heart of the contrite ones. You don't have to be a somebody to be loved by God, to be sought by God. In fact, it's better when we can say, recognize that we are nobodies and we need him. This is so comforting. Those who seek God find him seeking them. I close with a poem has been put to song. I sought the Lord and afterward I knew he moved my soul to seek him seeking me. It was not I that found, O Savior, true. No, I was found of thee. Thou didst reach forth thy hand and mine enfold. I walked and sank not on the storm-vexed sea. T'was not so much that I on thee took hold as thou, dear Lord, on me. For more free resources that support teaching and learning, visit thedocforlearning.org.